All right, so we're just going to roll into it. Going to start with a mushroom fun fact of the week. Going to try to stay with the same format every week. What was that? Huh? Okay, never mind. Um, we're going to... Yeah, okay, I got a guy on the streets at the state capitol in California right now. The results are in. California's been voting on a California state mushroom, and I guess the results just came in literally right now. Um, I should preface it with the idea that California has been voting, working on a, a, a vote for the top, or sorry, for what would be the state mushroom, just like we have a state bird and a state flower, which is a California poppy. Our state bird is the quail, I believe. So there's been, over the last maybe few weeks or month, this idea that California wants to pick a state mushroom, which is super cool. But I can't believe it. During this, the filming, the results are, just came in. Um, I, thought, I thought there was going to be a longer voting process, and, but I guess that's just, I guess they, they, uh, they picked already. So <clears throat> drum roll, please. Believe it or not, the state of California has chosen to pick Agaricus bisporus, or the common button mushroom, as their state mushroom, which is literally like white and brown button mushrooms, portobello mushrooms. They're very, very iconic. They're delicious. They really represent the state well. <laughs> gotcha. Just kidding. The results are not in for the California State Mushroom Voting. That's your mushroom joke of the week. Agaricus bisporus is whack. Just kidding, it's fine, but it's not native to California. It is native to North America, but I don't think it would be counted as a true California native mushroom. Regardless, it's not even on the ballot. Uh, I just wanted to start out with something like that because I couldn't think of a good mushroom joke and Seemed like I just try to flip the script on everyone, and this way it introduces this California state mushroom that I want to talk about today. And I actually have some good mushroom tea, a little drama, a little gossip to talk about the entire uh, the the voting process for the state mushroom. So, regardless, that's some foreshadowing for what's gonna be on the agenda today, and it's gonna segue into our fun facts of the week, which is about Agaricus bisporus. So again, Agaricus bisporus, one of the most common mushrooms. Everyone watching, I am almost positive you have eaten them before. Uh, again, it's known as the button mushroom, portobello mushroom, cremini mushroom. Uh, I don't know. That's worthless. I'm trying to hold a mic too here. Not worth doing there. But Google it right now. Button mushroom, portobello, portabella, porto... Portabella. I looked it up. There's like a million different names for it and enunciations that are okay. So no matter how you say it, don't feel self-conscious because I always do. I'm always like Portobello, Portobella. I can never figure if it's an O or an A or both. So that's that. It is one of the most commonly cultivated mushrooms in the world. In fact, 
I did a little research about it. The French started cultivating this mushroom back in the early 1700s. And it stated that someone simply picked one of the mushrooms, grabbed some of the mycelium, and transplanted it into some composted manure. And they had good results. I think one of the reasons it's so commonly cultivated is because it's quite easy to cultivate. I'm not a cultivator, so I can't speak to that, but they're one of the most commonly cultivated mushrooms in the world, probably recognized internationally by most people. It's commonly on food in restaurants. It's the reason that a lot of people hate mushrooms growing up because people suck at cooking them. And when you have gross, undercooked, or weirdly prepared button mushrooms or portobellos or agaricus bisporus, whatever you want to call it, that turns people off from mushrooms forever sometimes. I like them. I love them when they're pickled. That's probably my favorite version of them. But I do like them. They are considered pretty tasty. They have a lot of versatility. They also have a really long shelf life, so they're not very perishable. All these are factors into why a mushroom might be cultivated on industrial levels. Another fun fact I read was that in Pennsylvania in the 1900s, someone first noticed a mutation of these brown button mushrooms they were growing because originally they're brown and darker mushrooms. Someone noticed a mutation and found one little white rendition of the same mushroom. And from that one white button mushroom, they spawned it and continued to cultivate it. And now that's why we have all these varieties of different color, agaricus bisporus, and yeah, that's just how plants and food work, right? You see some genetic mutation or some, something different that looks cool or has a trait that's unique or marketable or flavorful, and then you keep growing it and develop another market for it. So this Pennsylvania mushroom farm found this one white agaricus bisporus, and then from there started a whole new market for it. And I imagine just the, the color, the, the cleanliness of a white mushroom is an eye appeal that people like. So again, it's exactly the same genetically as all colors of the agaricus rainbow, if you will. And portobellas are the same mushroom, but they tend to be much more mature. That's why you have those really big caps that are symbolic with portobello. Although I did a fun fact about Agaricus bisporus, it's not going to be our mushroom of the week this week. Going to go right into mushroom of the week now. And I want to highlight two mushrooms this week because they're the two top contenders for the California State mushroom. And the number one seems like the obvious kind of people's choice of California. Very, 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 very specific to and iconic of, of California mushrooms, and that's the golden chanterelle, Cantharellus californicus. It's something I've talked about in 
both of my early episodes. It's that really, really large growing golden chanterelle, the largest growing chanterelle in the world. Some people love them, some people hate them. They tend to be really dirty and muddy because of the conditions they're found in. So some people claim they can't untaste that mud flavor. Others claim they're fruity and sense of tones of apricot and all this stuff, which I pick up sometimes. Some of the other species of chanterelle are a little sweeter and more fruity than I, than the, uh, than these. But besides the point, they're delicious and absolutely in the zeitgeist and something that a lot of people in the state are aware of. Now, the other mushroom, which is the second place, possibly, or one of the top contenders for the California state mushroom, is called the jack-o'-lantern mushroom. And it's incredibly different in every way, I would say, than the California chanterelle. For instance, the jack-o'-lantern is not edible. It's actually toxic. It does not grow in a symbiotic relationship with a tree or a mycorrhizal relationship with a tree like chanterelles do. The jack-o'-lantern is actually saprotrophic. It's breaking down dead wood, but it has a very, very important ecological role. They do have kind of similar hues of color. If you're very, very new to mushrooms, people, and myself included, have absolutely seen a jack-o'-lantern mushroom and just thought, oh my, is that a chanterelle? Just because I'd never seen a real chanterelle before. And I, that was the only name of a mushroom I knew, and it looked sort of gold or whatever. So I, myself, when I first got into mushrooms, have done just that. And looking in retrospect, it's silly because they're so incredibly different to the touch and visually and everything. But that's how it goes. Everyone's got to start from ground zero, or at least I did. So yeah, jack-o'-lantern mushroom, California chanterelle, these are the two top contenders for the state mushroom. And I'm just going to roll now into the mushroom tea this week because it's pretty good and it's related to these two mushrooms. Basically, there are a ton the way the voting is working for the California state mushroom is that there's all these different mycological societies or myco mycological associations in California, and I believe each one of them is allocated one vote. I'm not sure how the votes are weighted or not. But at least one vote from each of these different mycological societies. Within those societies, they are having their own votes, and then they will put forth their recommendation. And as a, as a whole unit, the state will vote, and the general consensus will win. So one of our local chapters, the Mycological Society of San Francisco, which I'm not a member of, I'm in the Sonoma County Club, but... We're, very, we're in relation with all of these clubs, for sure, or societies. They decided that they were going to use an online forum, a, a popular mushroom forum, to generate their pick for the mushroom. So instead of holding a vote in-house at the Mycology Society, they put it out online and opened it up for people to vote. And right out the gate, California chanterelle was absolutely blowing every mushroom out of the water. And it seemed obvious, like, bang, it's going to be chanterelle, no, no doubt. They're edible. They're very specific to California. They actually, Cantharellus californicus only grows in California. Again, it's the largest growing mushroom. They're edible. They're mycorrhizal, so they have a nice 
symbiotic positive relationship with our with our iconic oak trees sorry i keep saying iconic i can catch my i'm catching myself say that trying to say anything but that word but they are dang iconic in fact here they are right here the cover of this book like we talked about last week they're just they're everywhere they're they're california to the core but what happened was there's some vocal members and and, and strong even famous members of the this mycology forum started to chime in with arguments as to why they believed the jack-o'-lantern mushroom, which, which is technically called Omphalotus olivacens, the jack-o'-lantern mushroom, should be, they started proposing why that should be our state mushroom and not the boring obvious choice of chanterelle and they put forth some really compelling interesting arguments number one being that oregon just or recently maybe last year voted for a state mushroom and they too picked the chanterelle now it's a different species but a chanterelle none the least um where am i the jack-o'-lantern mushroom is actually its range is much larger than the chanterelle so it actually covers almost all of california from the north to the south inland high elevation all these things so it represents the state from a from its range quite well so that that was cool it was first described by a mycologist in california so that's another cool fun fact about it it actually glows in the dark the jack-o'-lantern mushrooms glow in the dark they're bioluminescent not biofluorescent like i was talking about last week these things literally glow in the dark so please google that right now maybe i'll splice some photo or video in but it's incredible to see they glow in the dark they're also incredibly valuable in the mushroom fiber dyeing world so people use these mushrooms to naturally dye fibers these incredibly beautiful colors that range from like a purpley lavender to dark green it's, it's insane i would say google that right now too jack-o'-lantern mushroom as a dyeing mushroom it's it's incredible so there's a lot of value and it's also you know it's, it's one of those things too where i think people wanted to vote for it because it's just it's just weird. It's just different. It's not the obvious choice. People got really, really hung up on this idea that chanterelles are boring and blah, 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 blah. Too obvious, too obvious, too obvious. But then someone else, a very, very, very prominent figure in the mycology world, decided to chime in after reading and stewing on this debate for a while. So this really, really prominent member of the mycology world i don't want to name names but uh people that someone that people really really listen to chimed in after a few days with an incredibly long thought out and poignant response stating basically that they did not think it was fair or dare i say moral for admin and top dogs in the mycology world to be influencing people's vote because what happened was after the initial votes some people went back and changed their votes to the jack-o'-lantern because they were their mind was changed 
I didn't change my vote, but I did vote for the jack-o'-lantern mushroom. It seemed like a cooler pick, something, I don't know, for some reason seemed cooler. But this other argument brought it full circle and said, hey, isn't this a people's choice? Isn't this the mushroom of the state? Shouldn't it be a straight popularity contest? It should be. And heck, we shouldn't have people influencing a campaign like this. In fact, that's not democracy really, right? So the argument was that, hey, let's just let people vote. And, and you know what? The overwhelming choice, people's choice, was the California chanterelle. So why wouldn't that be the state mushroom? After that, there was some back and forth between club members and it didn't get crazy intense or anything, but there was some, I don't know if feelings were hurt necessarily, but it was, it was an interesting conversation, I'll tell you that. And a lot of people chimed in and I learned a lot. It really, really was a, an interesting exercise and discourse and kind of thinking about what should a state mushroom be? And, and after all of that, I don't know, I, I, may, I didn't change my vote. I'm pretty sure Chantrell, like, for sure is going to win. It wasn't even really close after it all settled. But I do think maybe, hey, maybe it should be the Chantrell, something that everyone is, even non-mushroom folks, have heard the word Chantrell before. So something to think about certainly got me thinking and was very entertaining as well. And just something that was a little unexpected, too, so... That was the drama of the California state mushroom debate. So keep your ears peeled. It'll be curious, be interesting to see who wins. I'm sure it'll be the chanterelle. I don't know how any of the other mushroom societies were voting or what the contenders were, but I'd be surprised if it was not the chanterelle. And yeah, so that was the mushroom tea or gossip of the week. I guess I switched up my sound effects because this should be the fungal report sound effect, right? the one I use for the breaking news, but whatever, I'm just going to use it again. I'm trying to be a sound effects guy. So... Alrighty, the fungal report for the week. Let's just throw it out because it's screwed up. We got nothing. We're dry, hot, windy. It's looking grim. All the reports of the Sonoma Coastal mushroom season are very, 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 very dark and grim. I've heard people say it's the worst season in 10 years on the Sonoma County coast. If you go north to Mendocino, it appears people are still finding the classic winter mushrooms, candy caps, yellow feet chanterelles, some black trumpets, not a ton, and then hedgehogs. Those are our common, and some chanterelles. A slightly different species than I was just talking about though. So if you go and drive and travel, you'll, you'll find some mushrooms. That's for dang sure. Even if you go out to the Sonoma County coast, I'm sure you will. But the abundance is not there. We've had zero inches of rain in Sonoma County in February. The average is like just under six inches. So we're in 
dire need of rain. We've also been so hot. It was almost 85 the other day. It's been in the 70s, 80s. It's been cold at night, dry and cold. Also, we had a massive wind event last weekend. So we're having the, the worst combination of conditions for fungus right now. Dry, hot, windy, cold. It's not looking good. They're out there, but not good. I'm always constantly looking for landscape fungus everywhere I go, and it's dried out almost everywhere, even in irrigated spots right now because of the cold. It's not, not an ideal season, unfortunately. But again, you never know. We, we might get tons of rain coming. There is none predicted for the month that I know of, but long-range long range forecasts are often worthless. So hopefully we get some dang rain and get an extended late season mushroom season on the coast here. Otherwise, otherwise, honestly, it's time to start possibly pulling out fire maps and looking for potential habitat for spring morels, which is this whole other world of mushrooms. The cool thing about California is if you're willing to drive, you can look, you can find edible mushrooms almost all year, even in the summer. And that starts in the spring with what are called morels. And for those of you that know morels, you know what I'm talking about. They're very iconic in the Midwest and a lot of, the, even the whole US. I heard an argument for the, the nation, the national mushroom, if they were gonna do that. And that would probably be a morkella, morcella, or morel. And that might make sense because they're again, very, 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 very symbolic of edible mushrooms in the US. Regardless, in California, morels grow in very, very specific conditions. They follow disturb disturbances. So they tend to follow wildfires. So people literally look at Cal Fire maps and try to find the combination of wildfire with the perfect tree types, which tend to be fir trees, abies, as well as the right elevation, the, the right exposure, the right soil temperature. It's this whole other world of hunting for mushrooms that I actually have only done once in my life. I went morel hunting once last year. It's awesome. We found only a few, but we did find a few. I found my first ever for a visual here. Morel, if you can see it, are these guys right here. There's all different species and types. There's landscape morels that grow around us here that don't require fire, but they're not considered as tasty. So regardless, there's hope that, hey, if we're getting hot, crappy conditions right now, this might mean early snow melt, which leads to access, which leads to possible good conditions for a nice morel season. So that's like a silver lining. No idea though. It's, it's not as cut and dry as just, oh, we're going to have a good season or not. We won't know until we're in the heart of it in the spring. But hunting for morels is something that I'm excited to learn a lot more about this year. I do want to mention because I had a request early on to talk about spore prints. I legit can't find any nice, fresh, big capped mushrooms in my neighborhood because it's so dry to do a cool spore print segment. So next week, hopefully I will find 
perfect mushroom to do a spore print. I'll do a video on the best ways to do it or I don't know. I'll make it entertaining if in some way, shape or form if I can. But I just want to let you know I did not forget about the spore print segment. And in fact, I think a lot of people will be stoked on that because spore print is something most people have heard even if they don't even know about mushrooms. I heard that term years ago and I, I don't know. I, I knew what it was in a way but didn't realize what it was, if that makes any sense. All right. I wanted to do an update on the Herisium coralloides from last week that I showed. I harvested some and I dried some. This is the end result. Herisium coralloides. I will grind this up even more before I put it in coffee or I guess capsules or something. I'm learning more and more about it and a lot of people reached out and said the best way to utilize Herisium is in a dual or triple extract. So it's, it's with alcohol and, all the, and water, all these different steps. I'm going to look more into that because I think there's probably something to be said about the medicinal benefits and the way it's prepared. So although this might be great for me, I have no idea. You can see too, I dried, this stuff was a little more mature and I dried it maybe a little hotter. This was a little fresher and I dried it on a lower, actually dried it in my fridge for most of the time. It just kind of dehydrated and it's a lot more white, but I've had it this golden color before and this white color. No idea what the difference is really in terms of benefits, but even if it's placebo, I do like to put it in my coffee sometimes. There's none in here though, so. I maybe would have had a little bit more focused, efficient episode if that were the case. I'm really screwing myself by having this mic in my hand. I have to get this in a fixed location <laughs> next time because I want to show you stuff and do stuff. But. Before we roll into the pizza review of the week, I want to do two final things. We're going to do a fun little spirit mushroom of the week, which is something that I like to do with friends and people get a kick out of it. It's just kind of silly. And then, or actually first, I want to introduce, see if you can see these. Look at these cutie pie little mushrooms that my good friend Emily drew. Hopefully you can see these. I want to get at least one of these tattooed on me to add to my mushroom tattoo collection. So if you can see these and if you can see actually like a number on them, comment which one you think is the coolest or cutest or best one that I should get tattooed. And I may listen to the consensus. I already know which ones I'm going to get. So who knows? Maybe I'll get them all. I doubt you can even see the numbers very well on here. I'm going to do a whole nother segment on this, but so this isn't like the, the, the pick, but I just wanted to show you how cute these are and that these are in, in the forefront of my head right now because I want to get, I have a bunch of mushroom tattoos, but I want to get some more cuties and these are original, but yeah, just soak them in. Shout out to Emily. These are adorable. I love them. 
they get my mushroom pizza stamp of approval. <laughs> I was going to do that for a different part of the segment, but I forgot to. All right, how can I do this spirit mushroom? So, those of you at home, this is how it works. I'm going to go like this. You tell me when to stop. Whatever mushroom we stop on, that is your spirit mushroom of the week. <clears throat> Amanita rubescens. Very good. The blushing group of Amanita. They're actually now called Amanita novanupta group. We don't have this species out here anymore. And that's, I mentioned about this old field guide. It's great, but some of the names are outdated. So it's actually really cool that I got that one because Amanita novanupta is a beautiful mushroom that I have not found this year. And I usually find about this time every year. So maybe I will find one soon. They do grow with our California oaks as well, and they're called blushers or rubescens because they, they, when cut or disturbed a little bit, they turn red. They blush kind of a red color. So, yeah, I think they're called the bl blushing bride mushroom sometimes. I think that name is, like, outdated and not super PC anymore anyway, but it's a cool mushroom, and hopefully... Keep your eyes out. Maybe everyone was going to find these Amanita Novanuptas this week. All right. Thank you so much. I'm going to roll into this mushroom pizza review. And yeah, last but not least, actually, I want people to keep sending feedback, questions, comments. Send questions. Send ideas. Send segment ideas that you want to see. Tell me honestly, dude, that's, that one segment you did sucked. You, should, you shouldn't do that. You should be focusing on this. Because I do have tons of cool ideas, I think. But I want to keep it consistent and not super long. But yeah, give me some feedback. I love it. Share the podcast with a friend or something if you think anyone you know would enjoy it. I really, really appreciate it. And I will talk to you next week. Have a great week. Look for mushrooms. Eat some mushroom pizza. Send me photos. This, that, and the other. Bye. Alrighty, let's roll. Back with the second edition of the Mushroom Pizza Review. I see a dude that sees me right now. This is awkward, but whatever. I have... 20 minutes before class tonight, um, so I'm just going to knock this out in my car. And yeah, I'm doing a teaching credential at a local university, so that's what class means. All right, let's roll into it. So this is pizza review number two. Um, I forgot to write the name. Sorry. Okay. All right, so the video will show that the slice of pizza had a visual appeal of it was atrocious, <laughs> horrible. Um, they're doing that thing where they do have slices, but they just had a cheese slice, and they put the mushrooms on top, and they were gross, 
uh, button mushrooms. And then they recook it, which is fine. Sometimes, And last week's was the same way, but it was pretty incredible. This week, though, they're doing that thing where they, they also put cheese, mozzarella on top of the mushrooms while it cooks again. And it's just like the deception that the cheese is cooking with the mushrooms. And it, it, was, it was just all bad from the get-go. A lot of the mushrooms were cut really thick. So I could tell from a recook, they're barely going to barely gonna be cooked. Regardless, went for it. So it didn't have a good start visually. However, this pizza was, it was a happy hour. So it was two seventy-five for a slice. They do charge for ranch, so it was $1 extra for the ranch, and that brought the total to $4.06 out the door or to my table. So that's a great deal. I was stoked on that, but ultimately that was foreshadowing for poor, poor quality. I have been to this place once before, probably five years ago, and it's known, I thought, for having some pretty good New York-style slices, I know someone that likes it, but again, I sometimes the slice is not a good representation of the pizza at the place, but this was just all bad. It can, continued to get worse. You'll see when I do the, the fold in half thing, it's so floppy, it can't even like hold its own neck up. Um, one of the grosser eye feels was when I like lift it up and just all these mushrooms fall off of it. Uh, after the first bite, I knew it was just a disaster. The sauce was bad, like just bad sauce, awful sauce, odd taste, like not even a good tang or just a bad sauce. Doughy, couldn't hold itself up structurally. The mushroom topping was disgusting. What's up, dude? I see a dude looking at me. Um, the toppings were gross. Uh, what else do I got here? The <clears throat> smell. <laughs> four out of ten visual i gave it a four out of ten i was in i was uh i still had my my hopes up sauce i wrote gross uh ranch is fine it's just like clearly not a house made ranch it's something they poured out it was fine honestly like i'll take that over some weird crappy homemade ranch um here I gave the ranch a two out of five. Like I said, they do charge for ranch. Um, took about three or four minutes for the pizza slice to come out. Just a nice, nice time. If anything, there's there's this perfect time to recook a pizza because if it's not enough, then it's not going to get crispy enough. But if it's too much, you know, it can get burned. So, however, I would take it on the crispy side usually, um, and that's not what happened here. So was not a good slice of pizza. Um, the place, I hate to say it, is called Raffi's Pizzeria or something like that. Raffi's in Petaluma. And again, I'd been there once before and, and thought it was all right, but uh, that was five years ago. Hopefully this was a one-off, but I hate to report I gave it a two out of 10 mushrooms. And disclaimer, last week I did a out of five mushroom scale. And after talking with more people and my wife, I, I, it makes a lot more sense to do out of 10. I can get more refined. So the slice last week, if you haven't watched it, go check, take a look. It was the delicious slice. The slice last week was a four out of five. That translates on my scale to eight out of 10 mushrooms. So 
This is a two. It was horrible. The only reason I'm even giving it a two instead of a one was just simply the uh, price. It was $2.75. So I imagine you could go in there and get straight cheese slices, ask for them extra crispy, and survive during their happy hour. But other than that, it was it was bad. It was not good. Um, let's see. Yeah, so I'm trying to get more refined when I do these reviews. I want to talk about specifics, which I didn't really get into last week. Sauce just crust or crumb or whatever you want to call the structure, visual, eye feel, mouth feel, all that. Um, so again, this is my second pizza review. It was horrible, two out of 10, and that's only because the price was right. But yeah, uh, maybe someday I'll give him an extra shot, but that was bad. I need to find a place that is actually cooking their slices with mushrooms on it. So any recommendations, please let me know. I know it's hard to come by like a cut slice place that just always has mushroom slices, but they're out there. All right, well, thanks a lot, and I'll talk to you later. Bye. This has been uh, the Mushroom Pizza Review.